Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Caleb Frankert, and I'm joined by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Jason Burnell. Caleb, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. All right, let's mix it up. What was so funny that you were watching? Uh, I mean, I was watching somebody like losing their arm on the bowling alley. It was <laughs> it was really very entertaining. So, Okay. You like Fail Army. I like Fail Army. Are we old because we like Fail Army? I know. Like, you know, was that cool 10 years ago? I'm also ago? realizing on like my was social... Was 10 years ago? Yeah. My social media feed, though, is like bourbon, yeah. cigars, pipes, Finance. dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the, uh, the, the videos of dads telling their little kids jokes. Yeah. And now we, we've got a friend on one of our group uh, messages that... He, he's always telling his daughter jokes and she just the looks she gives him it's hilarious yeah i mean and the jokes are pretty good they're too. priceless <laughs> so anyways speaking of kids <laughs> yeah exactly we're gonna talk about paying for your kids college or why not to pay for your kids college unless dot 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 right stay tuned I, for the i dot, always kind of i always kind of say like you know i don't i love you but not that much to my mm. kids so yeah. <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> hey before we get into this we should probably have a drink because yeah. this is one of those topics that there's a lot here we kind of covered 529s way early on sure uh, in the podcast but w- it was more focused on the 529 itself it was more about how to save for your kids college it, yeah like we were pretty much just defaulting that yeah we're gonna save for your kids college somehow right we're we're gonna go a little bit more into whether we should or whether not. Well, so, at, least, at least give some boundaries here. Yeah, I mean that's a big part. So disclaimer: we're not we're not anti-education by any means. Um, I don't know, man. Some days I'm pretty dumb. Well, that doesn't mean that we don't believe that education is valuable. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, I mean, I'm we, dumb most days. I mean, we've been we've done our fair time. In the world of education, that's for dang sure. Yeah, and you know, for us, our job requires a lot of continuing education. Um, sure. So yeah, we we like education. I think we all, if if you don't like to learn, I don't think you end up in this profession or end up doing it for very long. So right. we like learning. Sure. Um, it's just you know when it comes to paying for it, we'll we'll get into that a little bit more. So right, l- let's have a drink. Today we're drinking the Gibson, Jason. What do you know about a Gibson? Or what did you know before 10 minutes ago? Not a whole lot, actually, because it's kind of in that, seems to be in that martini kind of feel. And that's not my favorite. So yeah, I have a tendency to steer clear. But I, you know what? I have a newfound love of gin. Man, we kill the bottle of gin. Who's we? <laughs> that made me. Me. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was Memorial Day. You know, I just... And man, I couldn't stop. It was just great. Yeah. And so well, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm going to be surprised. Memorial Day is like the beginning of summer. Yeah. And although this epic, this is coming out way after Memorial Day. It is. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Starting the beginning of summer. I do. I can't say I switch from bourbon to gin, but I do start drinking gin more. It's great on a hot day. I just don't think I've ever like explored it that much because there's lots it, you can do. With again, it. it's martini. Like that's like what I think. Gin, martini. And that's it's funny because most people think vodka when they think martini, which, which is, is wrong, which is a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I would never think that. <laughs> so, yeah, Jason, this would definitely be in the martini family. In fact, what I would call this is basically a dry martini with an onion instead of lime. So which sounds terrible. Sounds weird, right? <laughs> uh, we'll get into it, though. So here, yeah. here, before, before we jump into all that stuff, let's talk about the recipe. This is a really simple one to make. Basically, two ounces of gin, a half an ounce of dry vermouth. Mm hmm. And a cocktail onion to garnish. That's it. We just throw those ingredients, m- minus the onion, the two ingredients into a cocktail don't go shaker. To your, don't go to your basement 
in your storage locker of onions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't go don't, to your don't garden. Don't do that. No, no, a cocktail onion is different. Yeah. They're like these little sweet baby onions, and yep. they're, you know... They come in a jar. They come in a jar without spoiling it. There's they're sweeter. Yeah, they're sweet onions, but I don't I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Let's try it. Maybe, maybe you should go into the garden and I, grab an Let's see what we think we of this do one that first. Later. <laughs> Cheers. All right. What do you think? It's just okay for me. Maybe on the second taste. So it's not the onion, which is what I thought it would be. I don't know. I taste it, but I don't until you take a bite out of that onion, though, you might not know what you're tasting really. It's not a traditional onion taste. We'll nah, put it that way. That, that's just not great for me. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. So there's a sweetness here there uh, is. that I wouldn't expect because it's gin, which is not sweet. It's piney, you know, right. especially the one that we used. And then dry vermouth is not sweet. No. So there's sweetness. Do you taste the sweetness? I do taste the sweetness. I coming from the onion. Yeah, I taste a little, a, just a teeny tiny salty taste there too. So I don't know. I think if you like martinis, you'd probably love this drink. Yeah. Uh, if you're a dirty martini person like I am, this is a totally different It's not experience. a dirty martini. No. This would be more like uh, instead of the cocktail onion, you could garnish us with a lemon peel. Sure. And you'd have a traditional dry martini. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just a little bit. There's a savory that, element that, to it. That's a good, that's a good way of describing it. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, again, I feel like I'm not doing this drink justice. It's just not something that I prefer. Um, Jen's great. I think. The dry vermouth is just, yeah, I don't know. It's just not for me. So I, I like to make dirty martinis. I I may rinse the glass with dry vermouth, but that's about it. I, right. I, I dump that in the sink anyway before I, I put the olive brine in. So I, I put this in the same category as a dirty martini in that it makes the flavors I get out of it. Um, let me put it this way. If you're out mowing your lawn and you sit down and you want to have a nice refreshing drink, you're probably going for like a gin and tonic. Right. Not not a martini. However, if you're looking for like a pre-dinner or a- aperitif, aperitif. Uh, however you say that, you're so refined. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I've just been saying it wrong. This is a really good before you eat kind of drink. I, I think I get that. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I do get that. And I, I have that desire <laughs> to have that. Now kind you want of drink. to eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I need mm, great a drink. Hamburger. I'm hungry again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I just had lunch too. <laughs> I, I kind of like it. It's definitely a change of pace. I, I probably wouldn't drink this every night. I could drink a dirty martini every night. I and... figured you would like this because I know how much <laughs> you like dirty martinis. So like, yeah, no, I it's it's not bad, but it's probably not something I would drink on the regular. Super easy to make. Yeah, Give it a try. Well. Yeah. Yeah. If you like a dirty martini, if you like a martini in general, but you don't like the fruitiness or the sweetiness, the, the, the sweetiness, sweetiness. Uh, the sweetness uh, maybe, maybe try to throw a cocktail onion in there. You might need Not a double bad. when you start thinking about your kid's college education. <laughs> you though. might need for it for this. Yeah. <laughs> you might just want to drink whatever's laying around if that's the case. So <laughs> let's get into it. Jason, I want to start by talking about paying for your kid's college and kind of the, the case mm-hmm. for paying for your kid's college. Yeah. And I guess I'm not even really making making the case to pay for your kids' college. We're gonna just treat this well, like the old west. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love it. We're gonna talk about love the, the good, west. the bad, and the ugly, right? <laughs> Let let's start off on a positive note, Jason. That so sounds good. You're thinking about paying for your kids' college. So this is the good. Yeah, this is the good. And then we're gonna get into the bad and the ugly, obviously. Yeah. Then then we'll kinda We'll, we'll sum it case. up. We'll sum it up. <laughs> so the good. Yeah. Uh, you want to pay for your kid's college. I, I start off with, hey, that's a noble aspiration. When I talk sure to is. clients and this is a priority, 
it, that's a great thing to want to do for your kids. Yeah, it really starts going down that line of like multi-generational kind mm-hmm. of thinking and like you hear that I was the first person in my family to ever graduate from college. Like that's there's a there's a lot of noble quality good thinking yeah. around that kind of furthering your education and maybe wanting to give your children an opportunity that maybe you didn't have. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of good as far as intentions go. I always say it's it's great if you can afford it. The question inevitably we'll get into inevitably is, well, can you afford it? Well, you might think you can afford it and really can't. And and we'll get into that when we we start to really boil it down. But noble aspirations. I mean, and I think where most parents are coming from is, you know, depending on what their college experience was or whether they had one or not. You know, I I think the the idea is that, hey, I I don't want my kids to graduate from college trying to figure out what they're they're going to do with their life. And be saddled with debt right out of the gates. Yeah. I mean, I think now that we have like a couple generations of, I would say, the percentage of the population that is educated is a lot higher Mm -hmm. than if you go back a couple generations. You know, the college experience could have been something like a struggle to I went and I literally partied the entire time (laughs) to I dropped out to I, you know, really figured out who I was. Uh, I think it's going to depend on your particular situations. It's less about like I'm the first person to go to college, I think is what I'm seeing with with my clients. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think education, generally speaking, is is a is a really good thing in, in yeah. a family tree. So yeah, well, and education is a good thing. How you get it is debatable, I guess, or what? Which is wh- coming up more, absolutely, and it should. Yeah, and long overdue, I think, for the college, the industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's it was, what it is. I mean, I, I can say this. For my family, I mean, my parents just straight up had the assumption that unless if you didn't want to be a loser in life, you had to go to college. And that's just not true today. I, I don't know if it was our generation, Jason, but I, I I think that we might have been the first generation that was basically told in high school, look, if you don't go to college, forget right. it. You're not going to you're not going to make it right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, no, thanks. I mean, I, I just don't think that's the case anymore. And I think the aspiration of wanting to have your children educated is really important. I don't want them to go to college, figure out that they want to be, you know, a carpenter and then have student loan debt that's going to saddle them for the next, yeah. you know, who knows how long. And this kind of leads into the next one. So I'll, I'll just say it. One one other reason I think for paying for your kids' education is I think a lot of folks are of the mindset that if you go to school and you focus on school, you don't want to be distracted with other things like having to work, right? right? Correct. Uh, balancing a, a part-time or a full-time job while you're working, or I mean, while you're, while you're going to school and studying and trying to do all those. There's some good and bad to both of those, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll, we'll kind of get into that. But you know, one thing I would say is I, I've seen it where, you know, a case where someone goes to college to figure out what they want to do with their life. They get a job in college and find out, oh, wow, hey, I kind of hit the lottery. I, I actually got into an industry right. or a business or a company that I really like and I want to stick with. Right. Maybe you find what you want to do while you're trying to pay for college. So, I mean, there there's some good and bad to that, uh, but I think that the mindset is I want my kid to go to school. I want them to get a valuable education, be marketable. I don't want to saddle them with debt and I want them to be able to focus on just school. And, and I think that's a, I mean, I think that's a solid approach. I think when a lot of people say they're going to pay for college. They're going to use home equity or mm-hmm. they're going to. It, it, that's not what we're saying here. Okay. We're saying you are going to save and pay or cash flow yeah. the college expense. 
Yeah, and we'll we'll get into kind of what we think is a good a good way to go about it. Sure. Which there's no exact. You know, I would tell you from a planning aspect, and you you know this. We've used various types of uh, financial planning software over the years. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I think it's kind of cute that some of these programs just try to figure out. Well, if you want to send little Johnny and little Susie to college, you've got to put X amount into a fund for this many years. That's hogwash, man. Because oh, it is. there is there's not a real good way to predict what you're going to have to you know to to put away. <laughs> the funny thing about it is the numbers they spit out are usually so unrealistic. It's like, well, if you're willing to sacrifice all of your other financial goals, yeah, exactly. you could send your kids to school. And that's just simply not true. Well, so. let's get into the bad. And okay. this is going to be not stat heavy. We're not a stat heavy podcast, but I want to jump into some stats here. So when we're talking about the bad, I guess, and maybe the reasons that you would want to pay for your, this is all part of why you maybe would want to pay for your kid's school. But uh, you know, the bad is, is the numbers. I'm, I'm going to throw out some things here that, uh, this is a report that was done in the last year or two. I pulled this off of a website called studentloanhero.com. Yes. Maybe you've heard of it. I have. Yeah. Some pretty good information. Eye-opening. I got to say, I was shocked on some of these. Some things were higher than I thought. Some were lower. But anyway, diving into the bad. 55% of bachelor's degree recipients, Jason, graduating from a four-year public, private, or nonprofit college in 2020 had student loan debt. So 55% graduating with a bachelor's, student loan debt. So most students have debt. So I thought this was lower than than what I... That's lower than I thought it would 55% be. 55% sounds like a, it's a little over half, which I would have thought it was more, quite honestly. This is a number that also is a little bit lower. Now, when you're coming out of school and you've got this to pay back, it's not a small number, but the average debt of a graduate was about $28,400 in 2020, hmm. which was actually a small decrease from the prior year. So is that actually a graduate that is a graduate. Okay, so yes. I think that's where these numbers are skewed a little because a lot of people don't make it that far. Jason, it's like you read my mind. This is not on, you don't have this on a piece of paper. I don't. This I'm is my back research. Enjoying this drink. <laughs> the first thing I thought was, oh, but we're not taking into account people who don't make it to graduation. That's right. What's that's right. the average debt of a college dropout? I mean, that's not that sounds bad. But I bet it's close to the same number. I was surprised that it's lower. Uh, it still is about ten thousand dollars, though. I mean that's a lot. Loan that's that's student loans no degree, average of $10,000. Wow. Okay. And let's see here. 48% of borrowers who attended for-profit colleges default within 12 years. Wow. Compared to wow. only 12% of public colleges and 14% of nonprofit college attendees. Yeah, that's probably getting propped by government loans, I'm assuming. Well, we're talking private education here, private right. universities, not universities, private colleges, colleges right? Yeah. And we, we live in a town with a private college here sure and the cost is a little bit outrageous. And you sit back and go, why am I paying so much more to go to this private college? That's right. It, it's quite frankly, it's more expensive. And the default numbers are, it's four times, right? It's four times the default number. So, you know, the, when you're looking for a school and you're looking at, is it manageable to pay for my kid's college? I think there's become a really weird mentality that not only have we gotten to well, if you don't go to school, you're not going to amount to anything. But now it's like, if you don't go to a private elite school, you're not going to amount to anything. If you yeah. just go to four years public state school. I got to tell you this, that pedigree. I mean, I hire people on a regular basis, right? Don't even look. Right? I don't even care. You know, more, more about it is it's really, can you finish? Mm -hmm. Can I start something, be determined 
And you know, pedigree doesn't matter. If you want a Harvard freaking sweatshirt, get <laughs> online and yeah. buy one, okay? Because it'll be a lot cheaper than trying to go to a school with a, what's seen or viewed in the public. Yeah. Again, people that don't really matter, okay, to your life. Hey, I can't I can't cite a specific study here, but I, I have read studies that show uh, applicants with those Ivy League or really prestigious colleges, you know, that they've graduated from whatever uh, are not getting interviews because a lot of employers think they're not going to want to work for what I'm. Yeah, to you know, pay. I think it depends on the job that you're after. You know, if you're going after something that's like, you know, I want to be in the most prestigious law firm in Chicago or mm-hmm. or, you know, work my way up through a big account. I get it. Okay. Yeah. I understand. But most, most jobs don't require that pedigree. Yeah. So, okay. Here, here's one where it's going to really hit at home if you're thinking about fine or not financing, but if you're thinking about paying for your kids' education, it, it involves financing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 90% of undergraduates and 60 per, uh, 63% of graduates have loans that were co-signed by someone else mm. in 2020 and 2021. Mom or dad, right? Who else would be co-signing? That's, That's mom nuts. or dad. That's a That's, lot. It's 90%. 90% of Holy undergrads. Holy 63% of graduates. So, grad so school. guys, this means that this is going to show up on your credit bureau, yeah. right? It, like You're going to go to try to get a cell phone, <laughs> and they're going to pull your credit, and it's going to be there. Well, here's the other thing to consider. Most of those are, are private loans, by the way. Okay. They're, they're not Fed loans. That's Which, also surprising. It is. And the average interest rate on those loans, and this is in 2019, Jason, the average interest rate on those co-signed private loans were 10.2%. Holy moly. Yeah. Our interest Th- rates shocking. going up or down, <laughs> by They're the way. Going yeah. They're and going up. Yeah. I mean, that that's really, really surprising. And, and I mean, again, this is going to put, if you're going to finance... This is going to put your personal financial situation kind of in a in a spot. All right. So good lead into the ugly, Jason. Wow. I just took a bite of that cocktail onion. I'm not going to do it now <laughs> based on your reaction. <laughs> Woo. No, it's good. It's really sweet, actually. Hmm. You can tell it's an onion for sure, but hmm, I like that. Okay. Anyway, on to the ugly. So you're paying for your kid's school, right? Um, you might be helping them with financing. You might be sacrificing some of your goals. Let's talk about the ugly. What are we talking about really here? Uh, the first thing I have written down is we're probably looking at delaying retirement, Jason. If you're not balancing retirement with college savings for a long period of time, you're going you're gonna to work longer. Well, and when I say delay retirement, what do I mean? I don't mean that you make the conscious decision that, well, I'm going to have to work for another four years because... You know, Johnny's going to school. Sometimes that is the case, but Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's in a way that we don't even realize we're delaying retirement without knowing it in the fact that we're probably making lower contributions to our retirement plans. Absolutely, We're making lower contributions to our debt, right? To to knock that down and and put ourselves in a position where we're more likely to retire. Yeah. You're taking your budget and you're like using a roller pin over the whole thing. You're spreading your money out. It's thinner. It's not as effective. You don't reach your goals just as quick as you as right. you want. Yeah. And we know that the more you contribute earlier on, the better. So delaying you that, that is just going to continue. It, it, it's going to be, yeah, it, it's, it's going to delay more than what you think in most cases. And let's talk about ultimately what that ends up uh, looking like, Jason, is you sacrifice your own financial freedom mm-hmm. to set your kids up well. And again, noble. All right. But if we're really thinking about the kids, what do we often see? Parents who are not set up for retirement, maybe they're retiring now with debt. 
Right. Uh, they don't have the nest egg that they need. And now they need help from their kids who are hopefully successful college graduates. But they may not be. But they may not be. Right. Right. So, you know, I think the thought of being a burden on your children later on down the road because you sacrificed your own retirement yep. or your own financial goals in order to set them up well. Are you helping them in that case? We've said it before. What's the best thing you can do for your kids? It's take care of yourself. Yeah. Take care of yourself and be financially. Yeah, you're just transferring the responsibility to your children. I mean, the government does it all the time. It's not very good. So, <laughs> yeah. don't do that. Uh, in a nutshell, Jason, I guess would you add anything to the ugly? No, I think that's good. I mean, yeah. the really, there is just make sure it's the real ugly things that I think happen are like picking really expensive colleges and assuming it has to happen i think we kind of touched on that so all right well there you have it the good the bad and the ugly of paying for your kids school (laughs) 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 let's go on let's build our case a little bit jason because i think uh if you're if you've been listening to this show for 20 minutes you probably have an idea of how we feel about paying for your kids school we're gonna we're gonna get into when it does make sense but Mm -hmm. before we do let's let's talk about the case for student responsibility in this whole what a situation. Responsibility? I know, I know, right? So uh, we just talked about it. The big, the big point I think is you got to think about your own retirement. You got to think about your own financial freedom, which Check those does boxes. trickle down to your kids. Sure right? does. Here's the other thing, and, and this is more of a. It's hard to quantify this, but whenever I talk to folks about their kids who are in school or about their college experience, I can tap on my own mm-hmm. uh, college experience. People that know me know that, um, well, I gave up some scholarships right out of high school because I wanted to play in a rock band instead, and I wanted to see how far it would go. Like 99.9% of people who do that, it didn't go where I wanted it to go, but I wanted to see. (laughs) So when I went back to school, by the way, uh, I I have to actually clarify, I did go one semester on scholarship and didn't pay anything. Right. I didn't want to be there, right? I wanted to Mm -hmm. play music. Mm -hmm. I didn't take it very seriously. Right. So whenever the dream had run its course, right, and I wanted to start a family and I wanted to provide for that family, and I realized I probably need to go go get some edumacation, right? Right, right. I was paying for it. And I can tell you, I took it a lot more seriously. I was the kid who, you know, when the teacher was like, hey, I'm going to let you guys out 20 minutes early today. I'm like, no, sir, I, I paid for that 20 minutes. I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> the idea there is students actually take, I think, education more seriously with some skin in the game. Yeah. I mean, when they have those, you know, late nights, waiting tables, earning yeah. tips, and they're going to turn around and, you know, pay three grand for books, they're going to do a lot more when it comes to their schoolwork. And I had the exact same experience. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to have uh, tuition scholarships, and but I I still worked. Yeah, uh, at, at one point three jobs. I mean, it was like whatever it takes to stay away from student loans at that particular moment. Oh, I think the mindset of being able to send your kids to school and they're only focusing on school and not work. I I understand it. And yes, working and waiting tables and doing mm-hmm. all that stuff was time that you weren't studying. But let's be honest. That's also time that you weren't partying. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I was invested. I mean, and I wasn't partying because I didn't have time. And not to say that kids shouldn't have fun. I mean, I might have went on the extreme, but um, I, I like the skin in the game idea, I think. And so I think you just have to balance it with, yeah. you know, parents' contributions and make sure that, you know, maybe it's a 50-50 cut sure. you know, on certain expenses or... Well, we got to make sure that. that your contribution fits into your overall financial plan, I That's think. That's right. And so having some skin in the game, even if you can pay for your kid's school, I think is is very smart because you end up, you know, they're going to, while they're preparing for their career, right, right 
learn things that are very important as far as your career goes, like responsibility, work ethic, the value of money. They're there to learn about their career, right? Yeah. If they're working and paying, they're getting a good dose of real life. That's right. <laughs> right. And I think a lot of times in the college like selection process, you go and pick out the college. Like you do it like a lot of people buy cars. Yeah. They go out and they find the car they like. They go out and find the college they like. They're like, all oh, right. And then they're like, we're going to figure out how to pay for that. Yeah. Don't do it that way. Yeah. You need to look at your budget and say, we can swing five grand. We can swing 10 grand. And we're going to expect you to put some money in. We can afford $15,000 a semester. Yeah. Great. Figure out the rest. Go find the school that fits into your budget. What a concept. Yeah. Budgeting. You know, this podcast, too many times, we end up in the the simple budgeting, basic, yeah. basic personal finance stuff. But start there. It makes sense. Yeah. Let's get wrapping this up here, Jason. So the, the title of this episode is Don't Pay for Your Kid's College Unless... Here's the unless. Here's the unless. So kick it off. What's what's the first thing we're looking at? Yeah, you need to be saving in your retirement. 15% and it needs to be not including your company's contributions. Do it automatically and forget about it. Yep. I'm going to throw in there out of debt. Other yeah. than your mortgage, preferably your mortgage too, but out of consumer debt, which yeah, we talk about all the time. Yeah, if you are piling on credit cards, man, it is not good. And so you need to be in the position that you're not sacrificing your own situation too. Like don't throw the chicken into the volcano. It's a bad idea. <laughs> and you jump in with it. Like you got to have your situation, you know, firmed up. You cannot be sacrificing your financial freedom because it does not work long term. Somebody's going to be your, your kids who you're trying to help are probably going to be the ones picking up the pieces going. I wish mom and dad would have prepared a little bit better. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. And I mean, we we again, we all know people that are in that situation. So it's rough. Well, this is one that you added to the board I did. Uh, late. So uh, what's what's the last one that you had on here? So if you're paying for kids college, I want to make sure that a lot of times there's another party involved, like a grandparent mm -hmm. that's willing to throw some skin into the game to help their grandchild get through school. I had like one of the most brilliant college plan designs uh, just presented to me by one of our clients and grandma and grandpa were involved and it was basically like, you know, a third, a third, a third. Yeah. Okay. Grandparents covering a third, parents are covering a third and the student was covering a third. That is super, super smart. Yeah. Mom and dad are involved. They have skin in the game. Grandma and grandpa are involved. They love you no matter what, but they have skin in the game. And you better get your butt to work because that's how this is going to work. Yeah. And I think that was pretty dang sweet. There's a lot of accountability in that system for sure. I, I think that's great. I, I would just boil it down and say it has to fit into your overall, overall financial plan. And if you come down to it and you're working with your advisor and they say, look, you can afford $15,000 a semester to kick in. Great. That's fantastic. Right. If the well, number is $1,000 a semester, great. If that's what you can kick in, I think it's great to help. But it, there's got to be some onus on on the student to uh, to make it work. After don't, all, it's good practice for the real world. And if that is your budget, don't discount certificate programs, trade yeah. schools. Let them go get some experience. It's perfectly fine. Absolutely. I'm going to slam the table. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. And then I'll close out the tab. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having a drink with us this week. It's time to close out the tab. If you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance Podcast, be sure to email us at podcast at bluejfg.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with the latest action by following us on Facebook. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. 
We've been your hosts, Caleb and Jason. Yeah. Cheers. Eat that onion. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I can do it. Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC. Blue Jay is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to a consumer in a particular state by Blue Jay and the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written consent on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay unless other Otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources, and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation.